What I didn't tell you was not only were we introducing a new song today, but we've got new presentation software today and a new computer back there today. And so, like, it's a bold, bold Sunday. So Scott was out here flying with, like, oh, no, what, you know, do I know the... So he did a great job with us in worship this morning. And uh, I want to say good morning to Spring Hill. I know that they had a fantastic worship as well because I saw what you're singing. And anytime you got Waymaker in the mix, it's a great Sunday as well. So uh, glad to see everybody from Spring Hill joining us. We um, are in a series called The Pursuit of Happiness. And this is week three of the series. And I want to correct two things I said last Sunday. So occasionally, after I get done preaching, I'll go home and realize I was wrong about something. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but occasionally I'll go home and say, you know, I I don't think I said that right. I think I was wrong about that. And it happened twice last Sunday. Uh, The first thing that reminded me of that was when I got home, my wife said, hey, you were wrong about that, what you said in the sermon. And uh, (laughs) so, you know, that does happen often, but... I got to thinking about what she said, and I think, I think she's right. Well, she was talking about, you know, I was talking about community. We've been talking about faith, uh, family and community. Like, the key to happiness is not wealth or health or these things. It's family and community. That's what brings us happiness. But I was talking about online. You know, like, there's a difference between online community and real community. Like, you know, watching church online, that's not real church. Real church is, you know, sitting with breathing people in a room and face-to-face and all that. And she said, you're wrong about that. Like, you need to broaden your horizon of what family and faith and community look like because there's people that watch online that are a part of our church family. And maybe you need to be starting, like, virtual small groups through Facebook because that's part of our family, and they're a part of what we're doing at Murray Hills. And you need to kind of think about I mean, we do that in business and fitness and all these, you know, people are on these groups that are, that are online, and that's where they know people connect with one another, and you can experience a level of community through that. And she's right. I mean, I, I, I guarantee you right now, Glenn's watching. Hey, Glenn, good morning. Good to see you. Uh, Aubrey and Judy are watching from Florida right now. So Marilyn's probably watching right now. Debbie's probably watching. Cindy's watching right now. We got a, we got a family that watches online. And uh, we need to think about how to create some community around that because they are part of our family. So I was wrong about that, and I'll get that corrected. And I'm, we're already brainstorming as a staff, like, how do we do that? How do we engage people into the community of this church that maybe can't attend here on a Sunday morning. So thinking about that. The second thing I was wrong about is not that big of a deal, and I don't think I said it in all of the services, but at one of the, the end of one of our services, I was setting up this week's message, and I said, we're going to take a hard left turn in the series today. And what I meant by that was we've been talking about family and community. Well, today I wanted to talk about Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and that's where Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so I was thinking about, you know, like family and community is one way to happiness, so that's one way. Another way is giving and generosity, but those two things don't really go together. Like I couldn't see how giving was connected to community. And I realized it is connected to community, but it took me, I went home and I I jumped on Facebook and I was just strolling through, looking at uh, whatever's on there, and I ran across an article from David French. And this was the title of the article, It's Not Good That Man Should Be Alone. I, David French watches our live stream. How did he know? You know, I mean, I just finished preaching about that, 
and it was I quoted the exact same verse, Genesis chapter 3, verse 18, and I'm like, oh, wow, wow, here it is. I mean, this is exactly what I was talking about. And so I started reading this article, and in it, he talks about how, um, how the, you know, the, what we talked about last week, despair, loneliness, anxiety, all of these things are on the rise in our society. All these things are increasing in our society. And he connected that to kind of the opioid crisis and, and OD um, and suicides and things like that. Like, they, like they, it's disproportionately affecting uh, young males in our society. And he said a lot of that has to do with the lack of community. They don't have a good, strong community around them. And so, he, I mean, it's just like he was preaching my sermon in the article. Now, David is a kind of a conservative political pundit. And uh, so he kind of went into politics after that and talked about, you know, some people feel like, the best way to deal with uh, the opioid crisis is more government policy. And then some people think the best way to deal with it is more personal responsibility. So he was kind of debating the difference between more policy and more personal responsibility. And then he kind of forged a third way. And when he talked about the third way, I just, it, it was like the Holy Spirit said, here's your sermon next week. This is how giving is connected to community. And here's what he said. I'm going to read you just an excerpt, just two paragraphs of what David said. He said, he was talking about, remember, policy versus personal responsibility. And he says, there is a different kind of personal responsibility. That's the responsibility of the privileged, of the faithful, articulated by Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. And he quoted it. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. And David summarized in this way. America is full of tens of millions of affluent believers. And certainly not just Christians. Perhaps it's time to shift the paradigm on personal responsibility. Instead of focusing on the personal responsibility of the hurting and the vulnerable, let's look at the personal responsibility of the rich and the powerful. And, and what David is saying is something we've all experienced. When we talk about personal responsibility, we've all seen people in need. We've seen people that were maybe without work or maybe without shelter or maybe you know, without something. And we've said, why don't they do something about that? Like, why don't they take some responsibility for them? So maybe we haven't said that, but we think that. You know, why don't they take some responsibility? Why don't they step up and be responsible? There's all kind of opportunity in this country. There's plenty of people looking for jobs, uh, hiring right now. Why don't they go find them a job? Why don't they? We tend to focus on they. And what Jesus is challenging us to do in Matthew chapter 25 is focus on us, not on their responsibility. And yeah, there is some responsibility there, but to focus on our responsibility. Not as, what is the responsibility of the weak? and the vulnerable, but what is the responsibility of the rich and the powerful? And here's what I took from that. Community is important. I mean, that, what we've talked about the last two weeks, you know, I wouldn't back off of that at all. Community is incredibly important. However, participating in community doesn't just look like saying, hey, I love you, and you're welcome here, and God bless you. Community doesn't just look like hugs and handshakes. 
with community comes responsibility. So as members of a community, especially those of us with more affluence, we have a responsibility to care for the least of these in the community. We can't ignore their needs. Because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, when you ignore their needs, you're ignoring me. And then the brother of Jesus said in his letter, James chapter 2, he said, when you ignore their needs, you're actually not practicing the faith that you profess. James chapter 2, verse 14, look at this and how all this ties together. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Those are two of the most challenging texts in the New Testament. Matthew 25, James chapter 2. Because they challenge us to take a look at our responsibility as members of a community. Not just a faith community, but of this Murray County. As members of a community, what is our responsibility to meet the physical needs of others? Um, And it's not a burden. That's not a burden that we're being asked to do. That's a blessing. Because Jesus said, Matthew, or Acts 20, verse 35, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You've got to practice that to see what he's talking about. Now, there's a group here today that I think has been doing it, and that's the way I want to illustrate my message, <laughs> is by yielding the rest of my time to Crossroads to Home. Because I think this is a group that's kind of looked around in our community and said, hey, there's a need in our community. And um, they immediately said, how do we meet those needs? And there's a lot of work that's gone into organizing that and getting that off off the ground. But they've tried to do exactly what we're talking about here, tried to be responsible members of the community by meeting physical needs in the community. And I think we can actually help them meet those needs as well. So I'm going to take, uh, the rest of this sermon is going to be preached by Con and Ty and Michael and Lori, and I don't know who else is going to be talking with you guys, but I want you to welcome um, Con Varalis, and he's kind of been spearheading this thing, so Con, come on up, man, I got a microphone for you, you guys welcome him. <clears throat> All of them coming up, I'll let you introduce everybody you got with you, Con. It's a tough task. <laughs> I don't have the vocabulary that Russ has, so bear with me. My language is very simple. First of all, to thank you for allowing us to be here today. Also, I want to thank you for what you did last year. Last year, your church donated 100 500 blankets to us in a day's notice. How you accomplished this task, I don't know. I don't think there were 500 blankets in Columbia. But you came through. Your ad-
actions prove that if you have the will, you found a way. Those blankets, they were distributed to, well, that was on a Sunday. Monday, you deliver the blankets. From Monday, we supply the police department by 60 cruisers with blankets. Blankets went to the car hall, and blankets went to the mortgage clinic. All those organizations deal with the homeless almost on a daily basis. I would like to introduce Lori. Where are you, Lori? Lori, Lori Bergler. She's a board member. They're all board members. She's the nurse in the mobile clinic. The mobile clinic serves close to 100 people a day with their needs. She faces homeless people, people in need, daily. So Lori is going to describe to you an experience she has, and we can go from there. Thank you for having me. Thank you again for the blankets. We still get the benefit of your 500 blankets. Um, working with the mobile health clinic, as Con said, it gives us the opportunity to run into people in need all throughout our community. Um, through Murray Regional, through the foundation, all the generous donors, they put us out there to give free health care and free screenings to people in need. It gives us the perfect opportunity to run into some of the homeless in our community. Um, to tell you a story, there's a story every day, but I want to tell you, I want to help put a face to homelessness. If you close your eyes, we can all see a homeless person. I can see them, you can see them. But I want to tell you a story about this December, um, it was early December here in Columbia. We had the opportunity to help two local organizations identify families who might need some help for Christmas. We reached out through the school system and we had several families return a call saying that they needed help. One particular woman stood out and said her sister's three kids needed food and coats. Now you may remember that December was a really cold month early at the beginning of the month, and it was still three weeks to Christmas. We had plenty of children's coats at the fire department where we keep our bus. Um, we had plenty of, of coats, so we, I said, come on over, I'll get you the coats. Um, you don't have to wait three weeks, it's still cold. You know, just come on over and, and at least get the coats for them. never forget this woman probably as long as I live. She drove in in a black armada. She was noticeably well-spoken and very well-dressed. I try really hard with what I do and, and who I am to not judge people, but there's that little voice still nagging in the back of my mind. She was dressed so nice. She was so well-spoken. I couldn't help wondering why she wouldn't help her sister and her sister's kids herself. I watched her though, and I had to love her. She carefully sorted through the coats, trying to size them for each of the children. I noticed the last tiny coat that she held, and it was so small, and I think that melted my heart. Um, and I remembered that someone had just donated a bag of greasy clothing for little girls. So I said, do you think that your sister would want the clothing? Um, she could have the whole bag of clothing. And she didn't answer me. And it was 
concern that I realized at the time. She said, you may not understand this, but my children, my three kids, I'm going to live in that black armada for six months now. Um, she was lived in a nice neighborhood before. Her children went to private schools. Her husband left her the year before, and she had mortgage payments and car payments. And it was really hard to accomplish all of that on one salary. So she said she had to make choices. She wears the same size clothing because she could keep her clothing. The kids have grown over that year and have had no clothes. The son was being bullied because his pants were too short. This lady works 40 hours a week in Columbia. She goes to church every single Sunday, and she puts money in the offering plate. But those who knew her best still don't know her circumstances right now. Not her coworkers, not her church family, not her friends. Her name's Anna, and she asked me if I ever talked about homelessness to tell you all about her. She said, everyone thinks homeless people are drug addicts and alcoholics who can't hold a job. She wants you to know that she doesn't use drugs, she doesn't use alcohol, she isn't lazy, and she didn't gamble her savings away in the lottery. She's a mom, and she's a really, really good mom. She desperately loves her children. She's doing everything she can, sacrificing every day to keep her family together and make it all work. The point is, not all homeless people come with cardboard signs and labels declaring their needs. If you hear anything I say, I hope you hear this. There are far more homeless people that you will never, ever see as homeless or in need, though you may see them every day. Many hold full-time jobs, but due to high rent, medical bills, or other circumstances, they can't afford housing. One man that I see all the time and have come to love just retired with 35 years of service from the same company, very highly respected business in Columbia but quietly lived the last two and a half years with his wife in a vehicle. Keep your eyes open. Some of these homeless people may serve you lunch today. Maybe they'll register at your doctor's office. Some of them will help your children this week with their homework. They'll be the first responder when you drive into the ditch to mix that beer. They're moms and dads and grandmothers. They're children who sit next to your kids in school by day and sleep in cold cars at night. They're veterans and teachers and nurses. They are our neighbors. Some will even sit next to us in church every Sunday. They won't come with cardboard signs, and they won't ask you to help feed their children. It's a matter of time. There's so much shame in having that much need, feeling like a failure. You couldn't do it on your own. So how can we help? In the short term, I'm going to let everybody talk more about this, but we've opened up a cafe, and we need volunteers. We need time and your resources to mentor these people. We need finances, funding to bring a family in from the cold, to give them and to reduce everything. In the long term, we need shelters to provide people in need so they can just get back on their feet. I thank you so much for letting me talk. And with that, I want to introduce you. It's a great pleasure to introduce Mr. Mark Kirschbaum, who's Vice President of Population Health at Mount Gaziman. Thank you. Um, thank you very much for inviting us today. Could I have the next slide? Uh, Pastor Russ today challenged us all to talk, to think about how we give back, how we give. Um, I was moved to join the Crossroads to Home Coalition uh, as a board member because I enjoy home. 
home for me is not just a place. It's about safety. It's about acceptance. Um, and it's about comfort. Those are all things I enjoy. And, and the challenge, I think, in giving back is to help others do that. The mission of our coalition is to improve the lack of home conditions for our citizens. Lori just mentioned one of our greatest needs right now uh, is shelter. Um, shelter for us is uh, going to require funding. And part of what we're here today is to implore you, one way you can give uh, to the Crossroads for Home Coalition is to uh, help fund uh, the emergency transitional shelter that we try to provide. Next slide. Vision, things that we're about. I would say it's been a humbling proposition for every member of this coalition in what we've learned. Uh, I think Lori just gave you a number of examples of things we've learned even in our first year. The one that caught me off guard is that you can't seek new services if you don't have a physical address. The coalition's Crossroads to Home uh, Coalition Cafe, uh, which just opened in December, offers among other things uh, an address for everybody who comes who needs that temporary assist or temporary help. Many, many other learnings that we've had. That, that uh, cafe also, um, uh, because we're hoping to broker access to other services that already exist in the community. The coalition's not about replacing or competing, but to try to bring together all those services in the community uh, that will help us to our common interest in helping the homeless. Um, we need volunteers because we envision uh, in the cafe Helping, the, uh, helping individuals who are challenged both uh, potentially learn skills for job seeking uh, and learn services that are available um, and really broker those to access the services that others are providing. Next slide. Our values are, are uh, I won't read them all to you, but one of the most important for me is that we're meeting people where they are um, and how they got to where they are and just accepting that situation and helping them uh, bootstrap for themselves and uh, get back on their feet. So again, today, our, our biggest need is shelter. That shelter requires funding. We're asking your assistance with it. We also need volunteers. Uh, the cafe is open from 10 to 2 on a daily basis, um, offering some ability, uh, some time of your time, your precious time, to assist us in that process if you desire. With that, I'm going to turn it over to our uh, chief of the uh, Columbia Fire Department, Ty Cobb. Thank you, Mark. I think one thing we we know this morning from Russ's message and hearing everybody talk up here, the key to happiness is serving others, serving and helping others. And as I look around this auditorium, I see so many faces that have helped us already to serve others, to help the less fortunate. Uh, the part I want to talk about is buddy system and mentoring and transition is a key word here as we are helping the homeless in our community is transitioning them to a life like you and I have uh, that is important where you have a buddy system or have somebody reach out and have constant contact with that individual uh, it's key and that transition is getting them a job working with local employers to find them work then help them find some discipline there to recover and to ease back into a comfortable environment. The key too is to surround yourself with good people. Uh, I see some young people in the crowd and the key uh, to being successful is to surround yourself with those good people that motivate you, that inspire you to do better, to give back to your community. 
blessed and Murray County is blessed with those type of people. Three standing up here behind me today and one that gives a message to you every Sunday here at Murray Hill. Uh, but transition is a key and we can do all this, but we've got to make sure that we follow through and keep contact with them and share God's word with them and make sure that they know that this community does care about them regardless of where they come from and what experience they've been through. We mentor and we transition them to a better life. So again, thank you for what you do. Our fire stations are a place to come if they feel comfortable there first and then we transition them and help them get transportation to the cafe. Um, volunteering. Think about it this way. If we have a disaster in Columbia, hopefully we never will, but if we have a disaster here, um, we can, the fire department, police, sheriff, we're going to stabilize and try to get order and everything back under control. But the key to recovery and the key to getting the community back on its feet is through volunteers. Government's not going to fix it. They're going to help assist. But the people in the community, the people here at Murray Hill Church, are going to be the ones to help people get back on their feet and get back to that way of life. Same way with the homeless. Mentoring, volunteering, serving others is the key to getting those people back on their feet. We're going to be located in the outside. If you would like to have more information or you would like to volunteer, approach us, uh, learn our story. And again, thank you, Russ. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. Thank you. If you guys would hang right there, right there, one second. Um, I invited you here for two reasons today. Um, one you knew about, one you didn't. And so <coughs> the one you knew about was what you just did. I wanted our congregation to hear about Crossroads to Home and the work that you're doing. And I hope that you'll take up the opportunity to get involved. I know one of our members, Bill, is already involved in volunteering there. But I hope you'll, they're going to have, they brought 15, 20 people with them. I don't know how many people are here. They're going to be in this back lobby here. And I hope you'll talk to them about how you can get involved. Um, the second reason I asked you to come was because I wanted to give you something today. And I'm going to apologize to Con because last Sunday, here, watch out, I don't want you to hit that to a light there. Last Sunday, he visited with us, and uh, I talked to him briefly, and, you know, he, he was coming this week. And I said, well, you're here this week, the week before early. And he said, well, I don't like surprises, so I wanted to come and get a feel for it. Um, so I hope you'll forgive us, Con, because we would like to uh, surprise you today. Uh, on December 15th, I'm going to go grab something real quick. <coughs> December 15th, we uh, took up a collection for Crossroads to Home. And uh, if you don't know about this, then that means 800 people have kept a secret for more than a month. Uh, we took up a collection of Crossroads to Home because we're inspired by what you're doing and believe it's a great work in this community. And I know that one of the most difficult things for new nonprofits is raising funds. And if you could have, you know, when you start a new nonprofit, there's so many great nonprofits in this community and there's so many asking for money, and it's so hard to get money when you're brand new out of the gate. And we wanted to give you a gift that hopefully changes the future of Crossroads to Home. And I didn't know how much to expect. Um, this church 
far exceeded my expectations, and it's the largest single check we've ever given to an organization before. We've got a check today for $65,500 that we're going to give to Crossroads to Home to help you get this ministry off the ground. And we got the real check back in the back. But we so much appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. If you allow me, we're going to use that money immediately for temporary shelter. We have an arrangement with the, with the hotel to where we can satisfy the need. You all know that uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, the temperature is going to drop. That's where the demand is the highest. The other thing I will ask, I'm going to ask you to allow me to buy gas cars because people in cars in the wintertime where they park at Walmart or whatever they park, they have the engine running because they're cold. So we're going to buy gas trucks. Uh, gas car, gas cars, and provide to those in need to go to work, to stay warm, or what have you. We do appreciate that. I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> and I thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Very much appreciate it. Thank you all. You can keep that. I don't think you can cash that, though. We got the small one that's actually worth something. You see Jim Webb. He's written that check this morning, so... So, yeah, yeah, thank you guys, thank you. Uh, and I want to say thank you to this church because that, uh, I didn't know what we would get when we did an offering like that and you far exceeded uh, my expectations and it just blows me away that we were able to give a gift like that uh, to this ministry. And I do hope that you'll go out after the services and talk to them and volunteer your time because that's really where life change happens, not with dollars but with the investment of time in relationship and in community. And a lot of these folks that are struggling don't have a community of support around them, and you can provide that community of support. Um, we've got one last thing left to do. Uh, both campuses now are going to take their offering, so we're going to say bye to Spring Hill. They're going to take up their offering. We're going to take our offering here in Columbia. Tim, where are you? He's going to do that for us, and he's got just a few announcements to share, and we'll be dismissed.